Welcome to the prolific teaching ministry of Pastor Emmanuel Iren, lead pastor of Celebration Church International. It is his vision to partner with you for your progress and joy in the faith. Ready, set, grow. Lord, I recall your word to one of the seven churches in the book of Revelation where you said you have a reputation for being alive, but you are dead. Lord, I pray that for us it will be deeper than an activity, regular church attendance, wearing Sunday best, but from the core of our being, let our hearts say what our lips are saying. You said you chastise and correct and rebuke those you love. It's a sign of reprobacy when we no longer receive correction. And so we are asking that in your mercy and in your love, whatever attitude needs to be corrected in us, you correct. Whatever excesses need to be corrected in us, you correct. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' mighty name, we've prayed. Amen. Come on, say loud, amen. amen. Glory be to God. Now, we're going to discuss something very crucial. I want to start with like a fundamental text, text as I begin to build my case here, my apologia today. Please open to 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 15. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 15. Hallelujah. Are you there? Read together, one, two, go. Read it again, loud as you can, one, two, go. Meditate upon these things. Give yourself wholly to them that your profiting may appear to all. Listen, there is a reason for our gathering. We must never forget why we come to church, why we gather, why we hear the word of God regularly. We must never forget. We are glad you're here, but your coming is a means to an end, not an end in itself. The goal of this church is not just to look at the pictures and see so many people and be happy that so many people came. The coming is supposed to lead to something. Your profiting must appear to all, not just to yourself. Because if it's just to yourself, it might be self-deceit. Any honest person around you must be able to see your consistent devotion and as a result, also see consistency of progress. It is very important. We must never forget why we're here. Has it ever happened to you? You went to your room to get something and all of a sudden you just realize you can't remember what you went there to get anymore. It almost feels like, respectfully, some of us, that happens to us every Sunday. It's like we, we, we forget why we came. We forget what we are taught. That's what the book of James was trying to describe. When it talks about the man who beholds his, his natural face in the mirror and straightway forgets what manner of man he is. The first time this became even more obvious to me was years ago when I attend, attended a five-day camp meeting somewhere. And as soon as we were done, of course, in the camp meeting, everybody was vibrant and shouting and, you know, very enthusiastic. But in the car park, because of the rush of the traffic, everybody, after five days, you can imagine they wanted to just get on with their lives and everything. And these people were ready to fight in the car park. Ready to fight. And respectfully, even the person that was driving me, you know, was ready to fight too. He wound up and said, I, I will not do it. I was surprised. <laughs> eh? <laughs> After five days, let me tell you something. 
it is possible for you to become so religious, you no longer even expect change in your life. So church has just become a part of your tradition. So you mark attendance regularly, but there is no transformation in your life. Listen, this is what Paul was telling Timothy about. Ingratiate yourself into this thing. Give yourself wholly to it, not partly. Let it take a hold of you, of you so that your profiting will appear. Let it show. Come on. Let it show. Praise the name of the Lord. Be a doer of the word, not a hearer alone. The word of God is for doing. Can you say that when we say the word of God is for doing? This is so important. When we talk about hardness of heart, what God calls hardness of heart is hearing constantly and not doing. It's one of the signs of the end times. It says, ever learning but never able to come to a point of truth. So if you consistently and continually hear the word of God, and what you hear is not sufficient to bring you to a point of practical application, that's wrong. It's something to repent of. Just, just make up your mind to be a doer of the word. Because you know, God commands your desires, commands your actions. There is a brand of Christianity where a lot of people just talk like the world and act like the world and think like the world. And God's word to you this morning is let your profiting appear. If you've attended a church one year, your profiting must appear. Your progress must appear. It must be apparent that you have encountered God. It's important. Amen, somebody. I want to show you something. I feel like the Lord making me make a deviation from what I plan to teach, but that's okay. Turn the Bible's Romans chapter 10 from verse 9. You know, in this church, we emphasize salvation by grace alone, through faith alone, and that's the true message. What must a man do to be saved? Oh, just believe. Believe that Jesus died for you. Believe that he rose again. You know, that whosoever believes in him, the Bible says, John 3, 16, shall not perish but have everlasting life. And that's, that's wholesome, that's powerful. But look at this. There is something that if you're not careful, you might speed read and just miss. It says, verse 9, that if thou shalt confess with your mouth, who? Say it loud. Listen. So you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus. Not just the Savior Jesus. Listen, listen. What makes you saved is that he died for you and rose again the third day. If you believe that he died and rose again the third day, if you believe that you also will receive eternal life. Now that's the message of the gospel, but it doesn't end there. It says you must confess with your mouth the lordship of Jesus. Meaning it's not just savior. You don't just receive his free salvific provision. He becomes lord. He has the permission to tell you how to live and how to think, and how to behave. He's Lord. You don't just receive his salvation. You accept his lordship in every aspect of your life. He's not an aspect of your life. He determines every aspect of your life. He's your life and determines every aspect of your life. You must live for him. You confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus. Not just believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. You confess his lordship. You profess his lordship. You show it in your life. So now, in the church today, as usual, people are trying to recover from an extreme by going into another extreme. 
I know that there might have been a few religious leaders who, ex, you know, who abused their religious authority and made people do things that were more akin to hero worship than to devotion to God and his Christ. But at the same time, a brand of Christianity where, I mean, in your defense, you're trying to recover from church hurt. So now you're in church, but there is little attachment, little commitment. That's not how to do church. And just to protect your heart, you have heard what the pastor has to say, but you have your own opinion. The way I see it, <laughs> the way I see your truth, that's not, that's not how to do church. If you are following Jesus, Jesus can and will tell you what to do. Oh, the man of God, Doug Howard Mills, you know, preached a very powerful sermon. You know, we just read Psalm 23 and then we embrace it from the ideology that suits our own desires. But think about it. He says, the Lord is my shepherd. I know you embrace the shepherdhood of God when it comes to the fact that you would not want. But if he's your shepherd, he means he's your master. And now he said, he makes me lie down. So he said, God can make you do things. He can make you do things. He can command you. He can rebuke you. He can correct you. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, I, I'm, I'm, I'm afraid to tell you, you just might not have seen Jesus. You might not have encountered him. Because the Jesus of the Bible is Lord. I'm telling you that. Saul was seeing him for the first time. On his way to Damascus, he appeared in front of him. And the glory knocked him off his horse. Saul said, what shall I do, Lord? <laughs> they had known for just a minute, but he knew better than to call him anything other than Lord. And then Jesus said, arise, go into the city, and it shall be told you what you shall do. He commands from day one, not after one year, not after you have gone through membership school, not after you are a worker. From day one, Saul, I know you are, just, you are just experiencing salvation now, but go into the city. I will tell you what to do. Go and wait. That's the God of the Bible. This is very important. He commands every aspect of my life. I have said it again and again. The way to recover from church hurt is to get in, move to a new church that is following Jesus. Not to, if you embrace your own idea and your own brand of Christianity, that is idolatry. If you had a pastor before that was all about your money, Don't then embrace a brand of Christianity where God can touch everything else apart from money. That's not, that's not lordship. Are you listening to me? Uh -huh. Because that's, that's one of the things I want to talk about. I, I'm tired of seeing Christians and their attitude to money in particular is an embarrassment. Christians that you are afraid to do business with. Are you with me? Christians you are afraid to do business with. You have to make them sign everywhere. Sign here. You will turn the bag of the paper. Sign twice. Sign. You have to be careful. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Christians, you, you lend money to some people, some Christians, and they won't pay back. They won't pay back. <laughs> Listen. Do you know what the Bible says about you? It's like this word of knowledge now. Do you know what the Bible says about you? It says you are wicked. You are wicked. It says a wicked man borrows and does not pay. You call yourself a child of God. And then when they are calling you that you have not paid, you are annoyed. That why are you disturbing me? I told you I'll pay. They should arrest you. Listen. 
When someone who claims to be a Christian behaves otherwise, arrest the person. Make it a legal case. You the ginger. When it was time to borrow, I will, I will give you back. You were following up. Uh, so when is so now it's time to pay back, and they are disturbing you. Handcuff, handcuff. They should, they should carry you. You know, you know there are some aggressive lending apps now. <laughs> they do too much. Some of them do too much. But some people, that's what they need. That's what they need. <laughs> Just send your picture to random people. This guy is a criminal. Beware of <laughs> because, because maybe you are. Let's open that text, Psalm chapter 37. You need to read it. This is the word of the Lord to someone here. Squeeze your face, but hear hear the word of God. Psalm 37, verse 21. Then, when you borrow, you now be praying. Supernatural death cancellation. Supernatural death. You are a thief. You are a thief. That's you are a thief. You know. So, <laughs> don't worry. When you lend someone money too, that grace will work on for the person too. Supernatural death cancellation. You borrowed, you you borrowed money. You frustrated the person. You didn't pay back. The person now forgot about it. And I say, ah, that's grace. Supernatural death cancellation. <laughs> Wicked. Everybody, read as loud as you can. One, two, go. Don't be wicked. Show mercy. The wicked borrows and does not pay. There are a lot of tongue-speaking, church-attending, wicked people. Because <laughs> they know nothing about the lordship of Jesus. Listen, I'm not saying business cannot go wrong. Things happen. But first and foremost, it's not the person that will be following up with you. You follow up. Call for a meeting. Go to the person. Bring out your books. Say, this is what is happening. Is there a way we can restructure the payment plan? This is, and, and go out of your way. Some people still want to live their luxurious lives when they are owing. You have the audacity to update your status. You are in fancy restaurants. You they owe money. If you are owing, you have no right to enjoyment. <laughs> At least don't show off. You they owe money. You they, you know. <laughs> so, I'm just saying, a good person will have a sense of urgency to pay back. It's the right thing to do. It's the fair thing to do. Praise the Lord. Oh, it's going to be a long month. We will talk about all these things. Because we are treating financial stewardship this month. In case you haven't noticed already. Here is what you need to know. The Lordship of Jesus touches and influences every aspect of your life, including your attitude to money. Let me tell you something. In fact, money is one of the most important things that must change about you when you encounter Jesus. It's almost automatic, spiritually instinctive, such that Zacchaeus saw Jesus and unsolicited. Jesus didn't ask for it. Jesus didn't ask him to do it. He just said, half of my goods I give to the poor. Meaning, this guy had been a collector before. The poor didn't matter to him. You know, he didn't really care. He just wanted to accumulate as much as possible. But the moment he encountered Jesus, the poor suddenly mattered. He didn't read a book about it. He just got saved. Are you with me? He said, I'm, I'm going to give. I've done shady businesses in the past, but not anymore. Zacchaeus said, not anymore. If I've stolen before, I won't steal again. That's 
what he said. Luke chapter 19 verse 8. That's what he said. If your heart is circumcised, your purse will be circumcised. If your heart is circumcised, your purse will be circumcised. Because the influence of God on your heart will touch every aspect of your life, including your money. It will. It will. It will. You know, a murder investigator said, if you see any cops anywhere, even before investigating, know for a fact that nine out of ten times, the death happened on account of three things, one of three things, sex, ego, or money. You see, and that's why we must teach about these things, because people kill for money. People don't know loyalty to anything else but money. Have you seen people, once it's money, they don't see friendship again. Have you seen people like that? They, just, they can do anything. There's a story my wife told me. It's not a perfect story and I will tell you why. This lady and her boyfriend have a mutual friend. A female friend. And so the female friend comes to the house and for some reason, a stupid reason, they decide to prank the female friend. I think that people who do stuff like that are being stupid. It's, it's unkind. It's wicked. It's unchristian. But at the same time, the outcome was quite interesting. So the, the lady pretended she was not in the house and then the boyfriend was in the shower. And so he just called out, hey, you know, I've really liked you. And then if you, if you would allow me give you 50K now for you to share my bed very quickly before your friend comes, best friend, childhood friend, 50,000. Listen, listen, listen. If you use money to try to test people's conviction, you are behaving like Satan. It's Satan that does that, first and foremost. So they were wrong on both ends. But the, but, but the fact is this. The question I'm trying to ask and answer is this. Can money shift some of your core convictions? That's the question. Are there core convictions? You know, so if you had asked that lady, she'd say, I'm my best friend. I will never, never. But when she had money, so the, she, the, the, the guy said 50K. She said, no, no. The guy now said 100K. Ha! 100! And she started trying to open the door. Hallelujah. Listen, at the end of the day, If you've ever done something like that before in the past, in the, you know, <laughs> what I'm saying is, is this. It's not to judge you. It's just to tell you, for your own good, there must be things in your life more sacred, more powerful than money. Listen, money is a good servant and a bad master. If money controls you, you are in trouble. You will make a lot of silly mistakes. You will regret at the end of the day. You see, many of the things that God requires of us, we think God is too extra, too strict. But some of these things, even in practical life scenarios, you will learn them from experience. Some things are just not worth it. Come on, are you with me? And so now the Lord says, this is very important, in Matthew chapter 6, Matthew chapter 6 verse 24, you know what? I'm going to wait for you to open it. Open as fast as possible. Matthew chapter 6, verse 24. Are you there? Everybody read as loud as you can. One, two, go. Jesus, 
It says no one can serve two masters. Like I said, money is a good servant and a bad master. And it's helping you realize, just in case you don't know, although God wants you to have money, He doesn't want money to have you. And money is trying to have you. It's trying to have you. Your attitude might be changing and you don't even realize it. Your attitude might be changing. Some people only respect money. They see people young enough to be their sons and call them sir. See people old enough to be their father and call, call them by name. Why? Money. Listen, what I'm calling for is a self-assessment. Check your heart well. I'm not saying you shouldn't honor anybody who is worthy of honor, even if the person is younger than you is worthy of honor. But if it is only money that determines who you honor, you are wrong. Please, are you listening to me? This is so important. This is so important. If you think that because someone is a cleaner, even if the person is your dad's age, mate, you can talk to the person anyhow. That's wrong. And you must change. And you can be a churchgoer and not know what I'm saying. Some of you know what I'm saying. You can be a churchgoer and not know this. So I'm telling you now. And God says, you can't serve two masters. You can't serve God and money. You, you, you can't. Money is trying to take the place of God in your life. Money is demanding your worship. It's demanding your worship. And so you must refuse, you must dethrone money and let God take his rightful place. And that's what we're here to talk about. You see, money, Randy Alcon described it as a spiritual stethoscope. You know stethoscope? What doctors use and they place on you to check your heart rate. So, by your attitude to money, we can check the health of your soul. Your attitude to money. Money reveals more about you than you realize. Like I often say, I don't need to interview you. Just print out your expenditure for the past one year. I would tell you. <laughs> I can even tell you who your God is. What your priorities are. It doesn't matter what you say your priorities are. Your expenditure will reveal it. Are you with me this morning? It's a spiritual stethoscope. It will reveal the health of your soul. And so, <laughs> here are some things that you probably don't hear as often, but you need to hear more often, especially in this generation. <laughs> Some things I want to say, but I will keep for later. Two thought-provoking facts about money. Two thought-provoking biblical facts about money. Number one, there are twice as many verses on money than, than there are on faith and prayer combined. There are twice as many verses on money than there are on faith and prayer combined. Isn't that interesting? And you see, one rule of Bible theology is this. You emphasize what is emphasized. So you see, I'm saying this because some people say, they talk about money too much in church. You are right and you are wrong. You're right in the sense that any church that just emphasizes you're getting more money, getting more money, getting more money, might not be healthy. All right? There are some people who are not ready for more money. They, they will self-destruct. But at the end of the day, the problem is not that churches talk about money a lot, like some people say. It is what is being said about money. The second biblical fact is going to shock many of you. 
Jesus spoke more about money than he did heaven and hell combined. He spoke more about money than he did heaven and hell combined. Because let me just tell you this. <laughs> money has a lot to do with your soul. Jesus said, what shall it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? What shall a man give in exchange for his soul? You see, it's the devil who tries to sell you an idea that everything has a price. Everything has a price. I can give you all the kingdoms of the world. Just bow and worship. You know, and you can be so deluded. You think, ah, what is it not just to bow? That's what the devil tries to do. He tries to chip in what is meant to be sacred. Throughout the Bible, that's what the devil tries to do. The utensils that were meant for the worship of God in the temple of Jerusalem. Belteshazzar said, bring those cups. And cups that were meant for the holy place, the most holy place. He took the cup and he poured wine and was drinking. He and his concubines. And a hand appeared, wrote on the wall, He didn't know the meaning, but he knew this is trouble. I'm in trouble. Because, listen, there are, they, listen, listen. And this is one of the major strategies of Satan in this generation. I'm going to create an entire service to talk about this because it must be talked about. The devil wants to eradicate sacredness from your life. How dare God create an entire world with trees littered around the garden and say you can't eat this one tree? The devil is saying, no, you should be free now. Why should there be a tree you can't eat of? That's what the, that has been his strategy from day one. And he sells it as freedom. He sells it as freedom. The irony is this. If you don't have boundaries, you are not free. Anybody who can't control an addiction is not free. <laughs> Anybody who tries to stop drinking and cannot is not free. Tries to stop smoking and cannot is not free. But the devil sells it to you. Why, why can't you drink? Why can't you smoke? It's the reverse. And he uses those things to control you. Now you are in bondage. In seeking freedom, you become bound. There must be boundaries in your life. What shall a man give in exchange? For his soul. Ah, there are some things in my life that have no price. Even if you give me one billion, the answer is no. Even if you give me one trillion, the answer is no. Are you listening to me? Yes, uh -huh. Otherwise, you know, I've been telling you, when the devil takes Jesus, a whole Jesus, and says, look at the kingdoms of the world, just bow. I will give it to you now. Now. Not tomorrow. This is how the devil tempts people. This is how we saw his convictions. It doesn't matter your station in life, whether you are a member or a man of God, your attitude to money, you will be tested. And God is helping you to learn it early. What shall a man give in exchange for his soul? So now, he's helping you see that to a large extent, integrity has financial value. You may not see it, but it does. It doesn't profit you. It's a bad business decision to gain, even if it is the whole world, at the expense of your soul. When you do something that soils your conviction, and tampers with your peace and makes you lose your sleep. Never violate your conscience. Are you listening to me? Come on, are you listening to me? This is important. Never. Start drawing those lines in your life. Start drawing those lines in your life. 
Glory be to God. Come on, I said glory be to God. You know, even in John the Baptist's ministry, as he baptized people, there were three categories of people who came to him and asked him, okay, what do we do now? Now we're baptized, we have repented, we want to do better, so what can we do better? What, what can we change? I want you to see the advice I gave to every one of them. Look at Luke chapter 3 from verse 10. Luke chapter 3 from verse 10, we'll read to verse 14. Luke chapter 3 from verse 10. It says, and the people asked him, saying, what shall we do then? And he answered and said unto them, he that has two coats, let him give to him that has none. And he that has meat, let him do likewise. So listen, this is a basic teaching on empathy. Now you are baptized. The first thing he mentioned, generosity. Then came also the publicans to be baptized and said to him, Master, what shall we do? And he said unto them, exact no more than is appointed you. Listen, meaning as a child of God. Stop exploiting people. You might think it is just street smarts. Street smartness. Putting on godly margins. Some people, you send them, go and buy this thing. They will hike the price times four. You think you are smart. And so the Bible says, stop that. Come on, are you, re- are you with me? He says, stop it. Stop it. And that's why anybody who unintentionally or intentionally paints an idea to you that you just must make money at any cost, that's not the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let me tell you something. (laughs) If it is money you are looking for and you are a child of God, you are at a disadvantage. Uh, You have not heard it before. Are you listening to me? There are some businesses that you just cannot do. Some of you know what I'm saying. There are some businesses you just cannot do. And that earned money. And I'm not going to start debates on, you know, can you have a beer parlor? Can you have a betting company? And all those things. But these things earn a lot of money but will violate your conscience. Yes or yes? Some of you have thought about it before. <laughs> it's lucrative. And so the day you choose to follow Jesus, you are already limiting your chances. All those deals in the company, we're not asking you to be a part. Just look away. Just look away. <laughs> Hallelujah. The mere fact that you choose to follow Jesus means that you have chosen to honor and value some things above resources. Amen, somebody. Verse 14. And the soldiers likewise demanded of him, saying, what shall we do? And he said, do violence to no man, so listen, you can be a policeman and be different. Come on, are you, are you with me? Don't say it's the job. Don't say it's the country. You're a soldier that God baptized. He says, do violence to no man. He says, neither accuse any falsely. Oh my God, you need to cut an excerpt of this sermon and send to some people. Don't accuse anybody falsely. And most importantly, he says, be content with your wages. So listen, all the things he said had to do with money. And that tells you what I'm trying to point to you is this. You cannot claim to have a genuine salvation experience and it doesn't influence your money. It has a great deal to do with how you... In fact, let me say this. You know, just the same way in the university... Not all courses have the same weight. Some courses are one-unit courses. Some are three-unit courses. 
I believe money is a five-unit cause in the kingdom. There is no other thing that Jesus expressly said is seeking for the place of God in your life. No other thing. He said, when it comes to money, you have to choose. Oh. You, you have to choose. You can't allow money master you and think that God is master and king in your life. It won't just work. Come on, are you with me? Yes, sir. You see, the interesting thing about the book of Luke and the way stories were systematically arranged is that the story of Zacchaeus and the story of the young rich ruler are just one chapter apart. Just one chapter apart. And so, you can compare and contrast. Zacchaeus sees Jesus. Jesus makes no demand on his own. He says, you know what? I'm changing my attitude to money immediately. To part way with half of what I have. Give to the poor. <laughs> I'm going to talk about that another time. Oh my God. You know, uh, anyway. So Zacchaeus makes, makes this commitment on his own. Jesus does not require it of him. And then this young rich ruler comes. And he says, good master, good teacher. What can I do to have eternal life? And Jesus said, well, what does the Lord require you to do? He goes on to mention everything and, and he, he says, all these things I have done since my youth. And the Bible says, Jesus looked at him, you know, smiled and loved him and said, well, one thing you lack. Oh my God. I hope you know the one thing that he lacked. <laughs> Please, the one thing he lacked was not poverty. Jesus was not saying you must be poor. In fact, what Jesus asked this young man to do, he never asked anyone else to do. No one was ever asked to, you know, just live except the core disciples of Jesus. And even those ones had a business on the side, the conversation for another day. He says, sell all you have and give alms and follow me. <laughs> the young ritual are risen up. A moment ago, he was interested in eternal life. When Jesus said, sell all you have, don't you understand? Young rich ruler, meaning he was young. For him to have had money, he probably worked hard. Started early, and everything is going right, and Jesus says, drop everything. Ah, The Bible says he turned his back and walked away. I've taught on this quite a number of times, and, and you see, but one thing that must always be resounding in your heart is the fact that many people, when they read this story, they think about what Jesus required and the enormity of the requirements. But they don't think about the fact that despite the enormity of the requirements, this guy all of a sudden was not interested in eternal life anymore. When he heard the price, he turned his back. I'm not doing it again. He turned his back from Jesus. Not from a church program. Not from a pastor. From Jesus. And I like, like I usually like to ask, if you were a young entrepreneur and Dangote says, close your shop, sell all you have, follow me. Will you still think it's a bad idea? Answer me, answer me. I want to hear your response. <laughs> In fact, you will say, selling it will waste time. As you are going, let me just follow you. Let me, let's enter the car and go. Leave the shop open. Let them take it. So maybe it's not about the price or the requirement. It's about your assessment of the value of the Christ. And that's the real problem. That's the real problem. That's the real problem. 
many people have been so deceived, they don't really understand the value offering of Christianity. And Jesus tells you this. In Matthew chapter 13 from verse 44, he says, The kingdom of God is likened unto a merchant seeking goodly pearls. When he found one pearl of great price, he went and sold all that he had to buy that single pearl. So now, he says, Jesus, his message, his kingdom is more valuable than everything else that you have in your life. And the proof of that value is this. There is nothing else in your life you are not willing to lose, to gain and to keep your position in God. Nothing else. Nothing else. Nothing else. That when someone says, ah, compromise your conviction for more money, it's not, even, it's not even something to consider. What? Because you have found him as a greater treasure. Come on, are you with me? You have found him as a great... He's more valuable. He's more valuable. More valuable than my job. More valuable than my cars. More valuable than what I have in my account. And guess what? If I lose all to keep Christ, it's not sacrificial. It's smart. Listen. He says, the kingdom of heaven is likened unto a merchant who found one pearl that outweighs all his other treasure in value and in, in importance. So now, when I sell all I have to invest in this one, I'm not being sacrificial, I'm being smart. Jesus is valuable. Jesus is bigger. Jesus is better. He is. He is. It's bad investment to gain the whole world and lose your soul. It's bad. Just in case you've not heard it in church before, you're hearing it now. It's not all jobs you can take. It's not all jobs. It's not all jobs. Just in case you're just hearing it for the first time, it's not money at any cost. There are things more important than money. Have some class for God's sake. And one of the biggest ironies of life is most of the people who kill themselves for money don't have it. It's a big paradox. Some of the most arrogant people are broke. Do you understand this? Listen, 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 listen. Let me explain what God wants to do with you and with this sermon. God only commits great resources to dead men. <laughs> great resources. He won't give you anything that will kill you. So let him handle this first so that he can give you more. You must have a sense of security in God you are not constantly trying to fight, trying to, when lots, lots that you raised up, oh, is struggling, struggling for resources with you. You say, take it, go. You know what? Point, which one do you want? And lot in his grief says, so dumb, so dumb, so dumb. You see, that's, that's, I mean, these things happen in real life. And then as Lot stands up to go, God says, Abraham, lift up your eyes as far as you can see. I'm going to give it to you. Let me tell you this. This prepares you for God's destiny for your own life. The reason why the devil is tempting you with temporary gain, offering you all the kingdoms of the world, is that God has already ordained it for you. The devil will... Uh, come on, are you with me? He wants to give you a shortcut so that he can cut you short. That's all. Hey, hey, I try. Hey. Hey. Oh, God. My or God? Are they preaching? I'm trying. Okay. I just I could, couldn't resist. That didn't ah, make sense. So cut short. Cut it short. Ah! <laughs> oh, step it, step it. <laughs> Hallelujah! This is important. This is important. 
true greatness in the kingdom is for the meek, for the humble. <laughs> your capacity has to be so shallow if 10 million changes your attitude. Some people, in fact, God has made your heart so large. Humility has made your heart so large. If you throw $1 billion there, it will go to this bottom and say to their attitude won't change. They will still greet you normally. Listen, they still give honor normally. You know, say, calling people sir does not reduce you. It does not. Respecting your elders does not reduce you. Sometimes I look at people who don't know what I'm saying, and they just look so childish, so small. All the time on your Instagram, snapping wristwatch, snapping you know, are you not, is that not a mental problem? Are you all right? You're not normal. You, let, see, the fact that it's popular does not make it less silly. You know? And usually, the people who have the real money are camo. <laughs> people who have the real money You know, there was someone once who bought me a car who, who himself did not have a car. So I was, in my mind, I was like, are you mocking me? He said, I just don't like driving. <laughs> they, imagine, some people will not be in that car and be doing like this. The person who bought it does not drive. <laughs> That's the irony of life. Just calm down, drop your shoulder. So that God will take you, you see, and the funny thing is, many of us settle psychologically. It affects you. Where you are now is just one hundredth of where God is taking you to. But you settle too easy. You think you have arrived. One of the most difficult questions I've ever been asked in my life. Edima looked at me and said, Daddy, are we rich? Save. <laughs> Very difficult question. Because I will not raise a child, first and foremost, who will go to school and try to be, you know, showing superiority over Omar. <laughs> Cain will solve that matter. I must not, I must not hear. So I, I just, now listen. You know that you have a balanced perspective to money when you can answer your child when he asks or she asks you that question. I said, daughter, God meets our needs. That's what matters. God meets our needs. Because first and foremost, saying yes is both a lie <laughs> and it's true. You know, because, I mean, the terms need to be clarified. Dangote is rich. I'm rich. How does it? How does it? <laughs> we need to be clear. But then there is true riches. There is true gold. If you determined your life by material things, you will never be rich, oh. Because you, your life will be a cycle of endless pursuits. Because when you reach the goal that you have written on your wall at home, you will now discover that that's where someone else is starting. Your ceiling is someone else's floor. Have you been in a multi, multi uh, sky-rise building before? Your ceiling is someone else's floor. Where your money ends is where someone's zone is starting. <laughs> one man in this country bought three Ferraris for his three children in one day. <laughs> Do you understand? Let me tell you something. If your life depends on material things, you will never truly be happy. That's just the fact. And if you know economics of scale, even the goals that you have, when you get there, your habits will change. So you will want more. You will just frustrate yourself. 
Godliness with contentment is great gain. So I'm telling you, listen, listen. And this is not to say you should settle. You can desire more in your life. Desire to want to do more, do better. But your reasons, your motive must be right. Come on, are you with me? Your motive must be right. Your priorities must be right. And there is something the Proverbs calls durable riches and righteousness. Your walk with God is still intact. Did you not read about Zacchaeus, a wealthy man? He saw Jesus coming. He climbed the tree to see Jesus. Not that because you wear fancy clothes now. You can't kneel to pray. You can't kneel. You can't. When was the last time you cried? Money has dried all your tears. <laughs> Taking all your compassion. You know, I say jokingly, most rich men have eye problem. When you call them and they wind their window, they'll squint. You know me, Joe. Open your eyes. Always pretending like they can't remember old friends. Squinting like this. You know me. You know, open your eyes. Now, me. <laughs> you know, those are the things my dad just helped me reset. You know, you can come, growing up, you can come into my father's special sitting room and see him with carpenter. You will say, after the man has finished nailing what he's saying, they will sit down, they will talk. You will bring coffee for them, both of them. And it just helped my mind. Hallelujah. Don't show favoritism. Treat all men with honor and respect. If you don't learn this, life will teach you because... Some people you are despising, oh my God, life can change like this. And may God not put you in a situation of awkwardness where someone you have been despising, you now, you now have to now say, is, now you, have, you must say sir. And as you are saying, it's as if you want to die. You deserve it. Because <laughs> life changes people. Oh my God. Learn to treat all men with honor and respect and do it for God's sake. Come on, are you with me? This teaching is important. And it must be a doer of this word. Say, I'm a doer of the word of God. Come on, say, I'm a doer of the word of God. And so you're going to practice this this month. Practice honor. Just learn to honor people. Treat everyone with respect. No matter how they look, no matter who they are, you know, just treat them with respect. For all men, all men, especially a believer in Christ. Practice love. Practice generosity. Let me tell you something. It is a serious warning sign if you are not generous. A serious warning because the way money works, it will go somewhere. <clears throat> it will go somewhere. And so if you don't systematically create structures that help put money in its place, you will compromise. I want to share something with you as I round off. This is the last text I'm going to share. Open James chapter 1. <laughs> Come on, are you there? I didn't plan to share this, but I think this will bless someone. What is the difference between a trial and a temptation? The difference is your heart. What I'm trying to say, and maybe we can treat this another time because time is fast spent. What I'm trying to say is this. 
especially with money. Money will never leave you the same. With money, you are either better or worse. And so, James explains. He says, let no man say when he is tempted, he is tempted of God. God does not tempt with evil, neither does he tempt anyone. He says, a man is tempted when he's drawn away of his own lust and enticed. You're tempted when you're drawn away of your own lust and enticed. That's what happens. Now, this money that you have been praying for, God gives it to you and you become a shadow of yourself. That's what he's talking about. It could have made you better. It could have made you help everyone around you. Help your family. Help loved ones and help even people you don't know. And that's the, famous, the type of generosity I like. Just, even if it's anonymous, just help someone and leave them wondering all their lives. If it's an angel or if it's, I like it. Just help and walk away. Help people who can never pay you back. Because that's true generosity. Sometimes our giving is political. You know that in front, the person can steal, you understand? <laughs> help people who can never pay you back, who can't truly say thank you except with their words. Ah, what will it be like? You that God blessed with the money God gave you, you are now doing things that are an affront to your Christian conviction. Don't be that guy. Don't be that girl. Don't spite God, spite the word of God with the very resources he gave you. The Bible says, honor the Lord with your substance. Come on, are you with me? Uh And for this to happen, you must be intentional. We call it putting your money where your faith is. Create a structure of honor, of generosity, of love. If you do this consistently, there are some things that will just die in your life. You have too much free cash. You don't have responsibilities. That's why some things are springing up. (laughs) You have too much free cash. You're not paying school fees for anybody. You don't give to your parents regularly. You don't give to your church regularly. There are some things that must change. From our calculation, only about 30% of CCI members are committed when it comes to generosity. By the end of this month, that's going to change. Say loud, amen. See, now, you've been saying amen since now. You're you're silent. Say amen. (laughs) Before I come and give you mic. (laughs) Hallelujah. And the most important thing is, we're doing all this for God. For God. He's worth more than silver. He's worth more than gold. Uh Uh-huh. And our true worship will be when every aspect of our lives, not just our songs, align with what we are saying. You know, he says, these people draw nigh to me with their lips, but their hearts are far away from me. He sees the person you are worshiping is a spirit. You can't hide your intentions from him. You can't hide your motives from him. He sees all things. You know, I said yesterday preaching in Aquabum, I said, in the first time the word worship was used in the Bible, it wasn't used for music. Worship originally was used for sacrifice. When you take um, a lamb, you know, Jewish culture, slaughter it on an altar, that's worship. He says, let's go and worship. Genesis chapter 22 verse 5 was the first time it was used. I'm going to go with Isaac to worship. Sacrifice. So listen, worship is anything that demonstrates consecration. Obedience is worship. Generosity is worship. Music is worship, but it's the only part of worship. And in fact, if the more important things are not there, your song is not worship. (laughs) 
Worship is first and foremost the alignment of the heart with the will of God. I cannot be saying something and doing something else and claim to be worshiping God. Come on, are you with me? So, this month, God wants us to align properly. We will put our money where our faith is. We won't just be saying, Lord, you are. And angels will be saying, ah, you don't know. You, since when? Hallelujah. Shout glory! You are bigger than money, I'm telling you. More important. Hallelujah. One one of the facts that you have true value is that you have no price. (laughs) There are things in your life more important than money. Like your love for the Lord. Please stand to your feet and let's just worship him right now. Thank you, Lord. Say, I'm a doer of the word. Say, I'm a doer of the word. Oh my God. Listen, if you practice what you just heard, your life will change. There are some promises God has given us as a ministry. Promise of good families. And I will tell you one. (laughs) In this church, Great and small. Our emphasis will be common faith in Jesus. Say loud amen. amen. This will never be the type of church where you come to and you are oppressed because you don't really have much. You don't really dress this way. Never. Never forever. Hallelujah. You will honor all men. You will love all men. You will treat all men right. Great and small. Hallelujah. That's, that's, that's our covenant to the Lord. No matter how much money I have, some things will never change. Some things will never change. When it is time to worship, it is time to worship. And when you see me pray, you will know that this God is worth more than everything I have. You will know that he gave it to me in the first place. The Bible says the 24 elders, they golden crowns. All your achievements, you will carry it and fling it. You will kneel, you will cry, you will pray. Because the money will not clog your heart. You will still be free to worship. It won't hinder you from the touch of God. Hallelujah. Just demonstrate if you know what I'm talking about. I want you, listen, I want you to just worship this God. Worship him from your heart right now. Worship him from your heart right now. Worship him from your heart. Sing his praises. The psalmist said, bless the Lord, oh my soul. And all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Just worship him and thank him. Honor him right now. Honor him. Honor him. Honor him. Honor him. Honor him. What do I have that you have not given? What do I have that you have not given? Thank you for listening. We are sure that you have been blessed. For inquiries, reach us on our helpline 0809-996-7000. Blessings. Blessings.